0: this is do we like movies it's a podcast where two guys review individual movies sequels and occasional television shows in this show we talk about our experiences with them and we answer the question do we like this movie welcome to do we like movies i'm your host angel
1: and i am your climactic final entry of a trilogy host (laughs) and all right here we are we are here we have given everybody
0: over a week to watch uh spider-man no way home at this point
1: some of you nerds had enough time to go watch it twice like me okay yes
0: I have not. I, I tried, but I could not find the time to do it. So uh, we'll have the perspective of someone who saw this two times and someone who
1: saw this one time. You have the perspective of a grown man that cried a lot in, Sp- in Spider-Man movie theater.
0: <laughs> All right. So this is the so in year one, we did uh, Spider-Man Far From Home as one of the movies that we reviewed that year. Um, and we knew that this was eventually going to come to a third and final entry in this MCU Spider-Man, uh, series. And we've done several Spider-Man movies throughout the run of this show, including, uh, into the Spider-Verse, you know, far from home. We did Spider-Man two, we did amazing Spider-Man one and two now. And, um, yeah, we, we, so we have spent, you know, quite a bit of time in Spider-Man land. And um, this, I think one of the common themes that came up in every previous episode was for as good as we think these Tom Holland Spider-Man movies are, I always made the comment that I feel like the only thing missing in those MCU Spider-Man movies has been the stakes and the scope that you felt in the story in those original, uh, you know, in the original series. Yeah, yeah. Um so so yeah this is uh, what I knew about this movie coming into it is that they were bringing back obviously from the trailer you knew they were bringing back all the villains from the old uh series you know so Jamie Foxx's Electro Green Goblin Willem Dafoe Alf- Alfred Molina's uh Doc Ock so we knew these guys were coming back and even though let's so we're going to get into spoiler talk right away uh, guys this is a spoiler filled review you will not get any unspoilered reviews here so unless you've many... seen this movie which i'm sure you have by now because the box office on this is absolutely massive but unless you've seen this movie you can turn this off because we are going to spoil the living shit out of it starting now
1: i wonder how many people listen to our reviews before watching the movie because i know some people do But a lot of the times it's for old movies that they're like, Oh, I've had like 20 years to have watched this movie.
0: (laughs) I would never recommend listening to a podcast before watching a movie, but hey, if if, if listeners do it, I mean
1: I'm sure there are some people that consume it how you
0: want to consume. Yeah, thank you.
1: Thank you for consuming. (laughs) That's what we have to say to that. Um Okay, so th- that was what
0: I knew about this movie. But obviously, the worst kept secret that exists in the world is that we all knew that all the Spider Mans were coming back. We just mm-hmm. knew it. All of us knew that they were all coming back, even they had showed them in the trailer. Even though they kept asking Andrew Garfield about it, and he kept like being really coy about the fact that he wasn't in it. Hey, um, Andrew,
1: are you gonna be in No Way Home? I don't know. And then He <laughs> just like runs away.
0: <laughs> um, but yeah, here we are. You know, um, this is the movie and uh i guess we can get into our experience obviously our experience with this movie came from a theater perspective because this movie is only available in movie theaters now so
1: yeah so remember everything we said about our experiences being shaped by being able to watch movies at home none of that shit disney said fuck you you little cattle go back and go back to the movie theaters and watch this like the good consume rats you are and so we did we did go to the movie theaters
0: consume rats
1: (laughs) i mean that's what i did i did twice i contributed the most out of this podcast to that like monster box office like number
0: well, I watched this movie, like, the week after I came back from Disneyland, so I have, oh, given, I have given all my money to the mouse
1: this yep. month. Fucking Moushwitz beat us But my experience with this movie was literally everything I wanted my Endgame experience to be, because I remember seeing all the fucking theater reactions to big moments and, like, people losing their shit and i was like i i didn't get that i think i told you i saw endgame like in the middle of the afternoon right after work and i think i was just like let me bang this out because yeah i wanted to watch (laughs) endgame but mostly to get the episode out so that we can like review it talk about it and then you know get, get the episode ready so i was just like i was kind of let down for that because i was like damn i'm in like a room full of like middle-aged to older people that no one nearly gives a shit about this content the way i do but i think spider-man is completely a completely different beast and the reason for that is because a lot of people grew up on toby mcguire or they grew up on andrew garfield or even not only that just the cartoons whether you're talking about the 90s cartoons Um, or you're talking about the, the, the tie in cartoon with MTV, the MTV series that you alluded to last week, or you talk about spectacular Spider-Man, which was like the Disney XD re, uh, reboot that like my nephew was old enough to have watched in, um, you know, I think it was like the middle, late two thousands. Or even now, where there's, like, Spider-Man and his amazing friends, which now your daughter herself is old enough to watch. It's one of those characters that gets, like, a fresh reboot every couple of years. And it's always loved because Spider-Man, for some reason, just, like, taps into something about that everyone loves. I have yet to meet someone that hates Spider-Man as a character. So it was awesome being able to go back to a moving theater, of course, people, you know, vaccinated, of course, people masked up, but being able to see people excited, being able to see people get like juiced and, you know, ooh and awe at the moments that were meant to kind of get that reaction out of you. And it was just awesome, like you know it it was a really that first time I went to go watch it was a really cool experience and that was like my fanboy moment being able to like yell at the screen like oh shit it's Tobey Maguire!" oh shit it's Andrew Garfield you know <laughs> but um that that second watching was definitely me trying to pick up on more more of the um what's it called uh I guess more of the Easter eggs trying to pick up a little bit more on the nuances and the scenes. And that's where I really started kind of appreciating the acting in this movie too, which I'm going to go into a little bit more when we start talking about like more, more of the scenes in depth, you know, Mm -hmm. but um, yeah. What was your experience like?
0: So my experience with this movie was, I was very excited to see it because I saw that all the characters from the Raimi universe that I really liked were coming back. Um, I figured very late in like right before I watched this movie. I think it was like the week before I watched this movie that I was pretty certain we were going to get Andrew Garfield in this movie as well. And, uh, you know, the, the hype was there, but I think because we did these movies leading up to it. Uh, because, you know, I had been re-watching some of the old Spider-Man stuff leading into this. It, it really did kind of get me excited and in the right frame of mind for this. I figured that it, for as disinterested or just not as excited as I am for, like, Avengers movies, I always thought that this was going to be good because it was going to be Spider-Man. And um, even though we've seen some not great Spider-Man movies, I just had a feeling that this was going to be something good. And um, obviously, you know, we ended up being correct about that. So um, I don't know. Whenever you're ready, uh, we can just start getting into, uh, you know, the movie itself.
1: Well, like, I guess one last thing I wanted to point out. Like, it's really wild. I think, I don't know if I ever told you this. Spider-Man 1, Sam Raimi Spider-Man was like the first movie, first superhero movie I went and saw um, in movie theater, like opening day. Like, I remember Spider-Man 1, that Sam Raimi movie, being such a big deal. And to the point where, like, Fandango had just, like, was barely a thing for about six or seven months. Like, my dad fucking, oh, unsurprisingly didn't get his identity stolen by buying (laughs) tickets for me and him on Fandango. But it is wild to believe that I was, like, ten years old, and we went to go watch the first time that, um that uh that spider-man was on the big screen and then like fast forward literally 20 years later at you know 30 years old i'm still going to the first day to go on (laughs) (laughs) spider-man like it's it's just one of those things where i don't i don't think people realize how much of a cultural like touchstone spider-man as a character is and i do and i did want to mention one thing that andrew garfield did say which i really found interesting like where he gave that quote talking about why he loves his role as spider-man it's because so many people can see themselves in the role as, as that character because everyone at some point in their life do, does kind of feel like that underdog that guy that's been beat by life but you keep trying to get back up and it's like it's just one of those things that really kind of like resonates with a lot of people and now thanks to end of the spider-verse and you know characters like miles morales it's like now suddenly the mask fits on a lot more people and that's just a really fucking awesome message that literally everyone can be Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I just wanted to throw that out there because, I mean, that's literally what this movie's about is that everyone is Spider-Man. Right. So, yeah. All right. Now I'm ready to get into it. I'm done gushing. I'm done getting my my, my nerdy. No, I'm not. I'm going to say so... Gonna have yeah. so much
0: more to say. So, first of all, I think it's important for us to note that this movie... Really, there was several different movies, uh, versions of this movie that were ready to be created because uh, right after uh, Far From Home came out, there was the word that Sony and Disney were not going to collaborate anymore on any further Spider-Man movies and that if tom holland came back it was most likely going to be tom holland and john watts doing stuff for sony and they would no longer be using the characters in the marvel cinematic universe which me if you know anything about me you know that i think that spider-man as an mcu side character is not really something i'm that interested in so i didn't really mind him going to sony but apparently nerds on the internet were so angry about it and uh you know i guess tom holland felt strongly enough about it himself that he basically brought uh disney and sony back to the table to work this out and uh apparently two different versions of this movie one was the version we ended up getting this week and there was also going to be this uh i i don't know what the i don't recall what the comic story is but apparently it was going to be a comic uh storyline and uh craven the hunter was going to be like the main villain in that and uh I think there's even like a cameo appearance from him well not a cameo but like kind of like a reference to him in that scene where all the villains are coming from different universes mm-hmm. um and yeah it, it just it was one of those things where you know like I was like okay well is it gonna be this is it gonna be part of the venom movies is it gonna be? You know, like, what is going to happen with this third Spider-Man movie? And it really didn't have an obvious direction of where to go. They ended the last one on a shocker, meaning, like, everyone knew who Peter Parker was now. But Mm -hmm. they didn't really give an inkling to where the story itself was going to go. And, um, yeah, when, when I talk about this movie now, I think one of the movies that I thought about a lot, because obviously, again, I'm a Batman fan. I read Batman comics, so... A lot of my reference comes from stuff I've read or seen. And I think this movie is the movie that it, it, it drew parallels to for me was Chris Nolan's third Dark Knight movie, right? The Dark Knight Rises only in that, you know, the, the, the one thing that these two movies do that is exactly the same is they're wrapping up a story and they're you know basically putting a close to a trilogy and um when you're doing that i feel like there's like a different like set it feels almost like the season finale of a series right or this Mm. or a series finale in lots of ways um so there's lots of things where you want to wrap up the stories for all the characters in your uh, universe in a way to where, you know, you're leaving them in a happy place. Right. And, uh, or at least leaving them in a good place. And so I'm going to go ahead and get into this movie. This movie basically picks up right after uh, no uh, far from home, Mm -hmm. which is where, uh, you know, J Jonah Jameson is apparently on a big screen in times square Showing the video of Mysterio, uh, you know, uh, revealing to the world that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. So right away, this movie is going to deal with, uh, you know, much like the Iron Man thing, where like everyone's going to know that uh, who, you know, who Spider-Man's true identity is. And uh, it's it's an interesting concept. I can't say I was that interested in it. But you know, I was so into where this movie could possibly go that I'm willing to, you know, I don't really have a problem with it either way. And mm-hmm. uh, we get him dealing, you know, with MJ. Oh my god! Oh my god! Everybody knows, and Ned, everybody knows, and a lot of like the first couple minutes of this movie is Peter basically, you know, going to school with it's everyone. A of
1: your classic teenage Peter hijinks. Yeah. Like there's the whole scene where he's trying to keep Happy and Aunt May from finding out. So him and Aunt, uh, him and MJ are like closing all the windows until finally, like, you know, he forgets he left the TV on and they're looking right at their apartment building, like on the <laughs> news. It the looked. Knees like, it channel. felt
0: like a Simpsons gag too. It was really yeah. good.
1: It was, it was really, really good. well done. I really liked it, and I thought it was very goofy and lighthearted. And it's very reminiscent of what we've come to expect from the the home series. And then I'm going to that-
0: give this movie a lot of credit because I think that this movie marks a transition period. It is it's sure it starts off feeling like the other two movies in this franchise, but man, do Homecoming and uh, Far From Home feel like they feel like comedy movies compared to this. What this movie is going to do is it's going to take the kind of jokey, you know, light nature of the MCU. And it really is going to take this character into much darker territory. And I would argue few movies outside of black Panther and winter soldier go as dark as this movie is going to go.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And I right away, I love where this is going because instantly I, you know, I talked about it earlier this year, how in a negative way, I thought that Eternals felt like no other Marvel movie that I had ever seen before this one in many ways, like it doesn't feel like any other Marvel movie. And I think it's because the star power of its main character and the fact that the actor who's playing him now has had enough time in the role of that character that he's basically like, I think this is Tom Holland's best performance as Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, despite the fact that he had moments and other stuff, but this one is like it's Spider-Man is front and center. And this movie is also just going to spend a lot of time reflecting on Spider-Man on film. And I think that is what truly sets it apart from any other movie in this universe. It finally feels like in this installment, they step him out of the shadow of the Avengers. And we are practically reminded at many turns that Spider-Man is more important than, like, you know, in terms of like the Marvel characters hierarchy, he is bigger than the Avengers and mm-hmm. uh and i'm glad that we're finally getting the stakes that i felt like we're missing from every other movie that he's been in so far
1: gotcha so the only way for a movie to have stakes is that if the entire multiverse falls apart well th- no, the other thing with you. is i'm just, just other, fucking with no life. i mean the other
0: thing is the multiverse is something that okay like i we're gonna see it it's going to become popular in both universes because we're going to see it with flash coming next year or the year after mm-hmm. with now that we know Michael Keaton is coming back as Batman as well. So we are going to see this. We are going to see the DC attempt to do something like this as well. Uh, and of course you have to do it with Batman because outside of I, Batman and Spider-Man to me, like they feel like they are the two characters that have withstood like the test of time, even more than Superman. Like you know, nobody's a Superman fan. (laughs) Nobody is. Nobody is. I unnecessary
1: bodying of (laughs) all Superman fans. No, like I I can tell you at least three. I know people will call me angry once they listen to this episode. (laughs) Look, look. I know people
0: like Superman. Very few people will call him their favorite superhero. And I know that in the hierarchy of superheroes across every universe, Spider-Man and Batman are both—they're both so big that they're interchangeable at different <laughs> moments.
1: Fucking shots fired, guys! <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, but I'm just telling you. And uh, okay, so beyond the fact that now we're getting the stakes, and I do feel like Spider-Man has, you know reinserted himself as you know 1 or 1A as the most important hero in comic book film. Well, this um, is a
1: really interesting time time-wise for the MCU. Because I don't know if you're watching Hawkeye at all, but um you know, you're watching Hawkeye and a lot of it focuses on on Clint um taking on this new uh protege uh kate bishop and kind of like dealing with the fallout of endgame and dealing with the fallout his experience with the avengers and then like you see that right and it's gotten to the point where it's like you know at this point the avengers have essentially dissolved you know like all the heroes that we would have seen have kind of like gone their separate ways like yeah you know black widow's dead captain america is retired iron man's dead um thor is out in space with the guardians i mean we we don't even know if bruce is really on world uh but you have but you know you're left to assume that he's kind of still involved with shield and like the protecting of the universe with him and uh him working with um captain marvel yeah because T
0: confirms that yeah
1: and then, But then you have Clint who, if, at least if you're watching the series, it feels like he's like on, the, on that um, kind of deciding whether he's going to retire or not. So it's like even of the original Avengers, you know, everyone's either retired or gone. Like, you know, mm-hmm. or, or the same thing. We don't know what happened to um, Ant-Man afterward. We don't know. We're left to assume that Black Panther went back to Wakanda and the... In the wake of and you know, just dealing with like the, the fallout from the blip, like mm-hmm. pretty much like any any superhero community or connectedness that came from those last couple crossover films is pretty much undone mm-hmm. because everyone's trying to like reel and get back to you know trying to trying to repair their own lives. So this is like the first movie where Peter legitimately has to kind of stand on his own two feet. And tries to, like, buckle down. And it's, like, the only support, at least at the beginning of this film, are still his aunt and Happy. Right. Um,
0: But he still is. So, in the beginning of this movie, he's still tethered to those things that make this universe what it is.
1: Yeah, because, like, we see that Happy is still very much coming up to bat for him. Like, in the wake of um, the Quentin Beck, essentially, uh, Mysterio, um, like, outing his identity... Uh, There's also an investigation done by Damage Control, which we saw back in um, Homecoming, which is this government agency that kind of was in charge of alien tech, but now they kind of they're in charge of any superhero tech is what it kind of seems like. Mm -hmm. Um, So they're doing an investigation on the drones that uh, Quentin Beck used in London. You know, he turned them on the people there. and Essentially, now that Peter has been left, um, has, you know, he was left to kind of be the scapegoat, you know, we get the scene where, uh, the Department of Damage Control, like, brings in Ned, MJ, uh, Aunt May, and Happy, uh, to, like, interrogate everyone, and, you know, of course, it's always, it's still done humorous, like, it's not really done in a way where where there's any real consequences to our main characters no i do love
0: i do love that they you know marissa tomei who plays aunt may in this is very much an activist in real life so mm -hmm. i do like the like bringing in of that to her character where she's basically telling peter not to tell anything to (laughs) to these government agents yeah her and mj shout at the same time (laughs) yeah reminding, reminding them of their right to remain silent or you know or to refuse to answer any questions that they don't want to um
1: yeah you got ned openly admitting to like, <laughs> helping spider-man commit crimes which is really great like the entire scene is played up for for laughs but then in comes one of the first of many surprise cameos in this film is we get introduced to charlie cox matt murdoch playing or playing matt murdoch who uh, some listeners might remember f- as daredevil yes uh, from the netflix daredevil series
0: now i understand that vincent d'onofrio's kingpin is referenced if not fully appears but he is at least referenced in the hawkeye series which i'm now watching by the way i haven't
1: finished it i have one more episode to go but from what the internet has told me yes
0: yes so so i understand that 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 and i and i've heard also i've read online that that now those netflix specifically daredevil at least is uh is officially in mcu canon which i i always thought that these heroes were mcu canon like I, they make references to to the attack on New York in season one of Daredevil, so the well, fact it, that the <laughs> fact that there was ever doubt about the fact whether these like characters exist in the same universe or not, I, I didn't understand that, and I'm definitely glad to see Charlie Cox uh, in this role again because those Netflix series were really good, and I well, feel- Luke Cage
1: got shot by a Chitauri gun, but then it was weird because then someone, I think it was Faggy, said that. Because they don't have the rights to those characters on the Netflix series, they're not, they're not, um, they're not canon to the MCU. But then it's like the series still made references to the MCU. They created the series. I'm okay. like, this is dumb. Like, yeah. you, I don't know what you guys are trying to do, but I'm like, this is dumb. Just keep your mouth shut about
0: it. It's like, or maybe it's just because enough people have complained about why is Jessica Jones or, uh, you know, or Luke Cage on Disney Plus yet or whatever, right? But
1: um, yeah, those those series go great with the catalog that Disney has.
0: <laughs> well, you know, it's I mean, hey, they I, got a I channel can't... now. They got a channel now. One of the things, the reasons why those Netflix series are so big is because Netflix was like, it was the main streaming service that we were all using then. <laughs> Wait and till now your daughter it's...
1: like is looking up Peppa Pig or something on fucking Disney Plus and then accidentally puts on Punisher War you
0: you i can tell you don't have a child because peppa pig is on pbs subscriptions or or You're nickelodeon me, su- all right i'm sorry. nickelodeon subscriptions it's not on disney plus so you she, would know you fucking nerd well yeah because i have disney plus and i have a kid so that's why i'm yeah well guess what you
1: she's that. gonna be cool and watch punisher now <laughs>
0: Um, but anyway uh, moving on from that i was also very happy to see this character in here and uh yeah i'm surprised i thought we were gonna get a little bit more of matt Murdock, but it, you know at least we got like a little glimpse or a taste of it and what's kind of neat about this is uh hey it doesn't close the door on the possibility of daredevil and spider-man linking up at some point and it also confirms that kingpin
1: exists in this universe already Well, I think it's going to be interesting because it with Moon Knight coming out, I think they're really playing into the whole Marvel Knights, which is pretty much all all the uh, heroes from New York that deal with, like, street-level crime. Mm -hmm. So you got Daredevil, Spider-Man, and Moon Knight. And hopefully you bring in Luke Cage. You can bring in more of them. Like, you can actually do a pretty serious, grim-and-gritty, like, like it it, that's very self-contained and it's less the
0: quote-unquote superheroes and more the vigilante wing of yes exactly uh the you know marvel heroes
1: (laughs) and i mean that's going great because that's kind of what they're going with spider-man you know by the end of this film too
0: yes all right so anyway we can get back into the storyline for this so yeah of course uh, so because the world knows that uh peter parker is spider-man it basically ends up affecting not just Peter Parker himself, but all his friends, you know, they, they're all coming back to school their senior year. I did. I do giggle at the scene where, uh, you know, he runs into the J.B. Smooth Hannibal Burris and, uh, gosh i forget the other actors i name. just call him
1: guilfoyle
0: well yeah. <laughs> yeah, like you know when he runs into those beloved characters from the previous movies and you know they all there's so many differing opinions you know some people look at peter parker as a hero and others look at him as a villain so the
1: fact that hannibal burris is just like i know what you did you a <laughs> lie like he's the conspiracy theorist just it's great and then they're always like I love the part where they're like, yes, yeah, some of our students took it upon themselves to make this memorial for you. It was like, you did that. I saw you do it. <laughs> well, the other
0: thing, too, is the, the nice kind of like reminder of that is uh, if you want, if you know, we haven't reviewed Homecoming on this uh, show, but if you watch Homecoming, uh, Hannibal Burris, like, like, as the gym teacher, like, he is a fan of Captain America. <laughs> if you mm-hmm. remember, he keeps putting on, like, the Captain America videos for all the kids to watch when they're, like, in detention or gym class or whatever. So, so Yeah, watch this is... video
1: about Captain America. I think he's a war criminal now.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, of course, you know, famously, Spider-Man came into the MCU fighting against Captain America on the side of Iron Man, so.
1: Mm-hmm so definitely oh,
0: definitely a good gag um while this is all happening this is the senior year for these kids so even though we don't get a ton of school scenes anymore like i feel like this this is the movie where they weren't really interested in telling school stories anymore which is kind of a bummer because it I is cool it, it. because it is what like kept that series like you know what made it so different but at the same time you know this movie's going to go in so many other interesting directions that you know i'm okay with accepting it Instead of just jumping straight into college, like a lot of the other series, like the two previous Spider Man series were, where they just couldn't wait to get the hell out of high school, this Mm -hmm. one is still, they're still dealing with high school even if they're not in school at the same time that they're dealing with these other issues
1: so nope. much like my senior year of high school i was just waiting for college acceptance letters and just blowing off everything <laughs> and that's yeah. kind of what peter does right yeah uh, and, and
0: we get to see more of these characters outside of school and i think that's that's interesting so mj's job you know she works at this i think it's a donut shop
1: yeah it looks um, like a donut shop yeah shop slash cafe You get some cute moments between um, Zendaya and Tom where they're just kind of like, you know, they're just like sitting around and then, of course, fucking Dead comes in third wheeling it up. (laughs) Well, you know what
0: I really appreciate about this movie is that this movie, like, it, it bonds the three characters in this movie together of their knowledge of Spider-Man.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: it's not even like it's just Peter and Ned, or just Peter and MJ in this. What feels very unique about this story is that we do get this this like, you know, it's the three of them, and mm-hmm. they're all like like There's and no Ned odd and personnel. MJ. Yeah, Ned and MJ didn't have much of a friendship in the last one, outside of like, you know, hey, MJ is Peter's girlfriend and they know each other but it's like the 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 fact that these three characters now all like you know even without peter around that they're all just friends like it it feels it feels right and it makes sense and the scenes of them like you know at mj's job where they're all like you know dealing with the anxieties of like trying to get into school while dealing with all this stuff It, Mm -hmm. it, it it is one of those moments that brings me back to john hughes which you know i'm surprised that this series just you know given how far it goes in different directions it's still like john you know john watts is still able to uh he's still able to deliver these moments you know that are very reminiscent of like 80s teen comedies at the same
1: Mm -hmm. time i love the scene where like they they're like holding each other and then Or, you know, or what was it? Tom puts his hand out and then, like, or uh, Tom, Peter puts his hand out, MJ puts her hand on top, and then you're like, oh, that's cute. Then Ned comes and puts his fucking (laughs) ham hock on top of that. (laughs) And I was like, I love you, Ned. I love you so much. (laughs) Like, Ned is, uh, like, honestly one of the best side characters, and it's just, like, the way he's able to pull off those goofy moments, like, he's just a, like, I don't know if it's John Watts being a great director the writers just having great comedic timing or the actor himself it's but the actors
0: he, having good chemistry
1: like he like he was like it, he's fantastic and then plus you literally take that scene and you juxtapose it or even it's foreshadowing for later when they do come back to this rooftop mm-hmm. and again it is mj and ned that are there to support peter at his like lowest point while they're here kind of thinking they're reaching their lowest point and it's like as they realize it can get a lot worse Um, but it's still like you said it bonds the three of them so it's really cool right but like you were saying um as they are learning to navigate this world with people knowing who peter is um you know and they're waiting for these college acceptance letters all of them failing to get into their backup schools uh and finally expecting a um some a letter from mit all three of them get get it they end up going down to uh, the cafe that MJ works at when they open it. Unfortunately, MIT has rejected the three of them all due to the fact that Peter is Spider-Man. Right. So... This, this
0: movie, this movie is going to spend a lot of time outlining to you the importance, like why it is so important for superheroes to maintain secret identities um, in this way. So because of what's happening with Ned and MJ and Peter and, and them not getting into their schools, Peter blames himself a lot for this. And, uh, you know, even though everyone else around him talks about how okay they are with it, uh, he still feels the need to, you know, to, to, to fix things for everyone else. And uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's a character trait that I didn't get in the other movies. I don't know if it's there and I just didn't see it. But I'm glad that in this movie that they make a big point of it is that, you know, a lot of what Peter does and it's it's because of the way he was raised and taught by May is, you know, when other people around need help and, and have problems that need to be fixed that that is what Peter needs to do is to try to help, you know, fix problems for someone else mm-hmm. or for, for those around him. So he decides to try to, you know, corner a uh, administrator from MIT to have them reconsider Ned and MJ's applications to the school. Um, but
1: before he does that, he thinks it's a great idea to go straight to Dr. Strange yeah. and asks him for uh, help to use magic. Um, and then we get to see the Sanctum Sanctorum. We find out that Wong in uh, Stephen's uh, absence due to the blip has now become the new Sorcerer Supreme. Hence why he was the one that went and talked to Shang-Chi at the end of Shang-Chi. Uh, but now Steven's been kind of relegated to being long sidekick, which I think is fucking hilarious. <laughs> but um, at least until Peter or at least until um, there can be something done where, where where Steven gets the title back. But at this point, um, you know, they bond over they bond over the fact that they both fought Thanos and they kind of brought back Uh, half of creation and then they end up and and this is where peter asks him for the favor of um you know using magic to go back in time and undo what quentin beck did um and this you know this movie confirms hard confirms that the infinity stones are done in this universe uh that there's no way to use them however uh steven does come up with using it for like kind of a forgetting spell where he tries to make everyone in the world that knows who peter is uh, or knows that peter is spider-man forget about it and as steven begins to cast the ritual uh peter ends up change or making him change the the spell about five or six times (laughs) because he wants happy uh ned mj aunt may all to remember who he is oh and like steven and like the superhero community, he wants them to know who he is, but um, essentially, while he's change, while he's making him change it mid cast, uh, Steven ends up losing con- like uh, control of the spell and has to force it back in. And we see it kind of like rip apart and kind of create like this weird nexus of purple energy that the two of them are in this weird pocket dimension. Uh, Stephen brings it back and closes it into a box, or he kind of puts in, like, this weird glass, like, tetrahedron thing, and uh, he tells Peter that he has to, like, now contain the spell, since he decided to change uh, everything and almost undo all of reality. (laughs) (laughs) And then he says, you know, well, I'm sorry that you tried to go to MIT and that they, and you know, if they rejected you and your friends and then even after you appealed, they said no, there's nothing else we can do. Until which Peter responds, wait, I could have just called them?
0: <laughs>
1: Causing Steven to lose his shit. Realizing that Peter Peter literally got the news of rejection and went straight to the Like most powerful magic user to undo time space around this instead of actually calling and like appealing their process, which I thought was great. And some people might argue it was stupid and it's a dumb plot hook. I think it's on brand. I think it's super on brand for a very, because that's the type of Spider-Man we've had the entire series. Like Peter's always been inexperienced. He's always been naive and he's, but he's always had a good heart. And that, like, what better shows that than this situation where he's inexperienced, doesn't know how the world works, but he wants to help his friends. Like, he keeps saying, it doesn't matter about me going to school, but they should go back you know they should have a chance this
0: scene might even point out the fact that maybe spider-man has adhd <laughs> because it could be. because this like all or nothing let me find the most complicated solution to a simple problem is one of these things that i do very commonly in my life as someone who lives with ADHD. <laughs> so i definitely appreciated the fact that yes it's like we're gonna make this guy mortal and we're gonna make him this is the most relatable that this guy has ever been and uh yeah it just it it just continually impresses me how uh you know even though yes people could complain about the fact that you know he he runs to to make this the solution to his problem but it works for the sake of this movie like they just work together at the end of avengers so obviously he knows who dr strange is it's
1: completely on brand like it's not something that i would think is like I don't think it's dumb or out of the realm of possibilities for this character to go and do that because everything about this character tells me he always jumps, jumps into the deep end and kind of figures it out as he goes along as someone who does that all the time in his personal life, I relate. (laughs) So I thought it was great. Um, So he takes it on himself. Uh, He puts on the iron spider suit and goes swinging across to try to meet up with the chancellor of admissions uh, only after a grain to tell people that Flash is his best friend. <laughs> and as he gets to the uh, this traffic jam, uh, he talks to the lady and he ta- and he tells her about how um, MJ and Ned are the smartest people that he's ever met and that he doesn't want MIT to be stupid like him uh, and pass up on this chance. Uh, a nice little, you know, funny reprieve right before it gets super serious. Um, At this point is where Peter's uh, spider sense gets triggered and he feels uh, or he sees people start running away from like these crushing sounds. And suddenly we see, you know, giant, very familiar metal tentacles start crushing cars and throwing them around and we get reintroduced to a young you know like digitally de-aged but still badass alfred molina playing dr octopus and i was like yes (laughs) this was one of the moments where my movie theater like very audibly like gasped even though everyone knew it was coming it was still cool hearing people get juiced about it
0: yeah this was a heavy we're gonna cheer for everything kind of movie and crowd
1: and this, you know this kicks off into a fight obviously dr octopus remembers uh spider-man's uh costume immediately says peter like you know calls him out and which starts this bridge fight very intense bridge fight where peter is trying to like keep the uh keep the chancellor from falling over the edge of the overpass Mm -hmm. um and you get to see a lot of, like, you get to see the, um, you get to see Peter pull out a lot of stops with the Iron Spider suit. Uh, he gets to pull out the, uh, spider legs and is able to kind of fight off Doc Ock's tentacles. Uh, he manages to save, um, he manages to save, uh, the Chancellor before her car like falls over. And, uh, but this gives Doc Ock like the chance to kind of overwhelm Peter. He ends up wrapping it up, almost stabbing him. And we get to see the cool moment where, um, where like Doc Ock rips off a part of the nano suit, and then it starts getting taken over by the nanobots. And then it's like right as he's about to stab Peter, you see the masks shift down, protecting Peter's chest so he doesn't get stabbed. And then suddenly the 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 nano suit overrides um, Doc Ock's arms. And now peter's in control and i was like this is awesome like you are you are combining different technologies from all these different places like it's awesome like i'm the, the entire scene i love the bridge fight scene i thought it was great and it, and uh peter goes back up he talks to the chancellor who agrees to uh to reconsider the admission after she had a first hand experience seeing peter be a hero." and that she's going to talk about him and his friends and as she escapes and before Peter can learn more about Doc Ock they immediately get attacked by um by another very well-known presence we get Willem Dafoe coming back as the Green Goblin coming on the glider full suit Like obviously CGI. I mean, even when in the in the Rainy movies, when he was on the glider, he was CGI. But still, so much better CGI now. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And we we get to see him drop some pumpkin bombs, destroying uh, essentially destroying the um, the bridge. And Peter and Doc Ock are narrowly able to make an escape. And uh, Doc, we see that Otto Octavius actually recognizes, um, actually uh, recognizes Norman Osborn um and they narrowly escape because uh dr strange is actually able to pull them back into the sanctum sanctorum uh where it's revealed that steven fought uh kurt connors the lizard from amazing spider-man 1 and has found out that and essentially lore dumps what's going on in this movie is that essentially a bunch of people who knew who spider-man is um were brought to the marvel mcu Because uh, Peter ended up changing the spell, which started reaching into the multiverse, not just into their world. So, in order for them to seal the breaks and keep, like, the, you know, like maintain the integrity of the multiverse, they now have to, like, send everyone back. So, they need to find anyone that is not from, um, or at least uh, Doctor Strange has to uh, complete the spell. And they have to, like, recover everyone before they can do any damage and kill anybody. And uh, so that they can all send them back to their home universes.
0: Now, here's the difference between a good movie and a great movie. A good movie posits a simple premise that says, what you need to do now is capture all of these villains from other universes. And once they've all been captured, we can send them home where they belong a great movie tells you that this is what we need to do. And at the same time, gives Spider-Man enough agency enough of his own. It, it, it basically sets him up as enough of a full character that because he understands he's not the same Peter Parker that these people knew from another world. He doesn't have the same prejudices or the same, just negative feelings about them. Mm-hmm. What, And and this is the part of the movie where I'm reminded for the first time and I hadn't even thought about it is that all the characters that we're seeing now died at the hands of Spider-Man somehow. And that is an interesting idea because Mm -hmm. I did not think about that. Even when the trailers were coming out, even when I was firing this up, even the fact that we have watched The Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2, I've forgotten this.
1: I don't remember Kirk Connors dying. He died. I'm pretty
0: sure he did.
1: Well, I mean, the, he's in the movie, and they said he died, so I don't think they would o- have a massive oversight like that. But then I thought I didn't know Flint Marco died. I thought Sandman. Uh, I don't know. I don't. Rem- I haven't seen that. I haven't yeah, seen. Yeah, I think
0: Man, you'd have to so probably long. rewatch it again. They didn't bring back uh, Goblin because Goblin didn't die. He he was, I think, just arrested.
1: <laughs> no, Goblin dies. Oh, Goblin died too. Green oh, Goblin- there you go. Norman Osborn, super. No, dies. not Norman.
0: I meant, uh, I meant uh, Harry Osborn. Oh, goblin no, they, disease. Goblin. They,
1: they want to move away from that goblin
0: suit. <laughs> I know they do. I think a lot of
1: people. I bet there was someone in the cutting room floor. Like there was a writer that was like, "What if we bring back Dane DeHaan?" And then it's like it's that meme where he gets thrown out the window. <laughs> sure that's kind of what happened
0: but again what a great movie does is peter sees all of these guys has conversations with them while they're in the sanctum sanctorum and uh from there he discovers that you know hey they all died at the hands of spider-man he picks that up And he notices that all of them, while they're trapped, hey, they're they're just trying to figure out a way to get home. They don't want to be here any more than he wants them here. Mm -hmm. And uh, the idea, I think, and really you get it because of what happened in Endgame as well, is Peter just looks at this as an opportunity to basically, in a very Disney way, (laughs) um, solve all of these guys' problems. Mm-hmm. And then send them home in a way that they're no longer just evil supervillains.
1: <laughs> well, it's important to note that that he works up to that because he's all for just sending these guys home. And even though Doctor Strange, like, so he goes. So after that, right, he goes, and he, that's when he meets Sandman and he meets Electro. They have the fight um, out in the by the power lines. And he ends up sending him back, and that's where Peter stays the night so that he can kind of repair the power grid uh, before he goes back to New York, right? And it's there because it's on his way back where he gets the call from Aunt May that uh, Norman is at the Feast Center, and that's where he like panics and he goes and and he tries to tries to um, you know tries to see he thinks he's going in to save Aunt May, but this is where we see um an old you know well an older willem dafoe but i mean he's still i mean the guy still looks the same <laughs> and it's like you see but you see norman osborne very broken and you see him very defeated you see him like almost like like you pity him like he seems lost and scared you know he talks about how there's someone else living at his home there's um oscorp doesn't exist and he mm-hmm. had, can't doesn't even see his son and it's like for the first time and this is what 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 uh what i'll tell you know I, like i agree with you because you do see norman osborne through these fresh eyes and you're just like this is just a poor old guy that has nothing and he's just broken and you're just like he doesn't remember anything he talks about how he makes bad decisions and that there's someone else that takes control and when they do he he's not he doesn't have any recollection and he's afraid of what he does when he's not in control. Like this is, this is like Norman at his most vulnerable and you just can't help for, but feel for him. And that's the thing. Peter is still on board with sending this guy hope, home, even though he has reservations, but this is the moment where he talks to Aunt May and Aunt May doesn't give him the line of, you know, power and responsibility yet but she, this is where she reiterates what you were mentioning earlier that when you have the ability to ha- to help somebody, that's what you should do. If you, mm-hmm. if you, you know, like that's what the feast center is about, and that's how she raised him. It's about helping people.
0: And you, and you know what? That feels like an Uncle Ben story. Like that feels like something Uncle Ben would teach you. And again, in this franchise, they never really go into Uncle Ben. You I'm get- glad
1: you mentioned that. I was talking to a friend of the show Jose <laughs> about that, and it's funny because. The MCU, as far as we know, as an audience, there is no Uncle Ben. Well, there is. I, I think uh,
0: the, the the suitcase that he uses. There's a suitcase or briefcase he uses either in Civil War or Homecoming or Far From Home, but one of them. And there's a reference to the fact that it's Uncle Ben's suitcase. They but don't. They, I don't know if they say the name Ben or if it just says Ben on it. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's like the one and only reference,
1: but. It could be that's the thing. We're never told that, you know, Peter talked to him all that much. We didn't like for all we know, Aunt Bay is a young widow, a young widow that's just like gallivanting around town
0: now.
1: <laughs> you know, like she could have lost Ben like years before she even adopted Peter. You know, like there they're, it's one of those things where they don't they haven't found the need to go into it and they don't have to
0: no we've seen it two times already uh and we just don't need to see it it's kind of like batman's parents dying like god help us all we're probably going to see another version of that again in a few months no fingers crossed we won't it's one of those things that i don't need to see anymore and uh i'm glad but i mean i am glad that they basically decided to a give May something to do for the first time in this franchise and b like they've she feels so similar to the characterization of Ben, but also so similar to, for example, that video game I played, the PlayStation video game for Spider-Man. Like it feels so in universe with Spider-Man that it's like, I'm, I'm very easy to accept it. The fact that, you know, yeah, this is it. This is, this, this is, this, this is Aunt May to me. And Mm -hmm. uh, specifically for this universe, she's, she does a good job of being both Aunt May and, uh, ben parker
1: yeah it was it was great like she gives him that you know she she gives him that um that i she implants that seed into him and as they they you know like she her him and him and the spidey gang i guess for lack of a better term him mj and ned um you know they 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 go and they talk to steven um and dr strange is prepared to complete the spell and Spider-Man has a change of heart where he ends up, like, webbing the, the contraption, the weird mechanism, the box, pretty much, that has um, the spell contained into it. He webs it away from uh, Doctor Strange, and this leads to another really cool, and something that could have only been done because it has MCU money, the <laughs> really cool mirror dimension fight scene. Uh, Between uh, Doctor Strange and Spider Man. Well, this is where
0: I should admit that I have not, one of the only movies that I have not watched yet in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is Doctor Strange. And I saw the really cool stuff that they did in the Doctor Strange trailer. And mm-hmm. I know I have to watch it because it's been on Disney plus for the longest time. Well, but and now me, that
1: Dr. Strange is becoming a much bigger role in the MCU, you probably should watch it. Right. But also I mean, it's just not a bad movie. It's a fun movie.
0: No, but what I'm saying is I want to compliment this movie because even though I hadn't watched the Dr. Strange movie yet, this scene gives me enough to say, yeah, I should probably go back and watch that movie. And it's an awesome action scene. Like it feels very, uh, like It looked like all the cool shit that they were showing in those trailers and uh, just reminds me, hey, I gotta watch that movie and it also just works as a really cool action scene, fight scene between two heroes.
1: I love it. All I know is that someone needs to fucking or if I'm Christopher Nolan, I'm getting on the phone and I'm suing somebody <laughs> because that is straight the Inception fight scene or not the Inception fight scene. Which, don't get me wrong, I do like the hallway fight scene with JGL, but, like, just the visuals of fucking the way New York folds in on itself, and then Spider-Man swinging through, like, this building as it opens up, and then Steven closing the building and flying through, and then, like, they're riding this train as it goes through the air and shit. It also like, kind
0: of reminds me of that Mysterio scene from the last movie, mm-hmm. where it's like he puts like Spider-Man into this weird like world where he could project whatever he wants. It's just this series has had a knack for for putting together these really neat like crazy fight scenes.
1: Such cool, like just these huge set pieces, and it's really cool as like um, you know Doctor Strange ends up uh... <laughs> Doctor Strange ends up um like making peter fall through a bunch of portals uh and is able to take the uh the box away from him uh peter kind of realizes that even though they are in a magical dimension it's still kind of based around math um and it still has some sort of physics to it which he then uses to his advantage by creating a trap that captures dr strange and he's able to uh take the box away from him and jumps uh, back into the uh, pretty much back into our plane of existence, and taking away um, his uh, teleporter ring, uh, Doctor Strange's teleporter ring. He's able to close it up, and you know we get the cool like the really kid reaction because remember he's still a kid. I think I just fought Doctor Strange in one. <laughs> and then uh, from there is where they come up with the plan, or where he he resigns himself to the plan of saving these characters. So with the help of Aunt May, uh, they're able to take everyone. Uh at this point, it's uh Sandman, uh, Green Goblin, Doc Ock, uh, the lizard, and electro uh up to Happy's apartment where they use the uh Stark Fabricator to start working on ways to to repair these characters. Um So the first one they start off with is Doc Ock, where they fix the inhibitor chip that was originally, for those that might not remember in Spider-Man 2, uh, the whole reason Doc Ock turns evil is because of the chip that was controlling the AI of his arms, ends up burning out, so the arms took control of him, which then proves a theory I've always had is that machines are inherently evil. And thanks to people like Angel, the the IT squads are the only ones keeping us from a Judgment Day-style insurrection of the machines. (laughs) So thank your your IT people. (laughs) (laughs) So they're able to make a new inhibitor chip which uh, restores um, Doc Ock's control of the arms. And then uh, they're able to work on a serum for uh, Green Goblin to kind of take away the super so like the failed super soldier serum he had taken Mm -hmm. um they create a a machine to kind of dissipate the electricity that's in electro's body and i guess they create a mini hadron collider so that way flint marco can go back to being a full human instead of made of sand it is never really explained and that's fine because it's spider-man 3 and no one cares (laughs) And of course, they're working on a cure for uh, Dr. Connors as well. And uh, Peter also tasks um, Ned and MJ with holding on to the uh, box with the spell and instructs them to essentially push the, the big red button for whenever it does go to hell, um, they can send everyone back, to home, back home. Because it's at this point, kind of what you were saying, mentioning earlier as well, where Peter realizes that, you know, or after realizing that all these guys died, um, you know, by sending them back to their timeline, and I think this is the part we didn't really talk about as much, by sending them back at this moment, they believe that they're just going to go back and die. And while that doesn't sit right with Peter, he believes that if they go back and they send them... To or you know they heal them, fix them, whatever they can send them back to the original timelines, and maybe they have a chance um, to do something different, or they mm-hmm. have a chance to change their be- their home timelines. So that was a really interesting angle uh, that the movie decided to take on. Um, so after after repairing or after uh, giving a lot of people their or giving the villains their their uh, respective cures peter's uh spider sense starts going off in a really interesting way because it feels like it's very prolonged and it's like it, it feels like peter's spider sense is trying to zero in on what exactly the danger is mm-hmm. and mind you this entire time we have really interesting back and forths where norman is just in awe of peter parker they kind of develop this fat kind of like an admiration for each other as scientists mm-hmm and then suddenly, like <laughs>
0: they even they even do the you know, I'm somewhat of a scientist myself gag from the <laughs> meme in this movie, which I thought was perfect.
1: I was the only one that laughed at that, and I was mad.
0: <laughs> I laughed too, and I was the only one that laughed, so I guess uh you know, whatever. <laughs>
1: yeah, we're meme <laughs> lords though, that's why. <laughs> but yeah, so it's like as Peter finally zeroes in, he figure, you know, hit it's like he figures out that. Like something is wrong with Norman. He ends up webbing Norman's hand, and this is where fucking Willem Dafoe can switch on a goddamn dime, and I love it. He goes from this like doting old man to suddenly the most evil bastard in the room. He. And-
0: this is the movie where Willem Dafoe reaches. Not only is he a the best uh, villain an MCU movie has ever seen being the best villain the spider-man movie has ever seen i think he's reaching joker levels of good in this movie um, he
1: is yes i agree 100 <laughs> he literally showed up in one movie to another universe and became the best villain fuck off anyone that thinks thanos is better can eat my ass no you know
0: what and it just it's perfect because one of the things that we Kind of like just was such a disappointment in the last movie was the fact that Norman Osborn was reinter like they basically wanted to make him some sort of a, some sort of like overarching villain in the Amazing Universe, and then like we didn't really see him in that first movie, and that but he seemed like a evil villain that was pulling the strings on everything. Then mm-hmm. we do get to see him in the second movie, and the actor who plays him is just not interesting enough at all, and like mm-hmm. dies way too early. Like this <laughs> solves the problem kind of like the J Jonah Jameson problem where like instead of recasting this character you probably won't have to recast it anymore because this was your green goblin story and um, now you basically brought you know the best guy who you could have had for the job and brought him in back in to do it for this MCU verse <laughs> my
1: my I remember my joke for this because we found out and I don't know how, how public knowledge this is yet. But, you know, like we were talking about in the group chat, like that Willem Dafoe apparently did a lot of his own stunts for this fight scene. And at 66 years old, this man can, like, more power to him. That I, I'm sure, yeah, there was probably some times where they had to use a stand in, especially for the CG, obviously for the CGI parts. Like, I don't think, but there was, I mean, he tried to do as much as he could, and it was, it, you know, like, more power to him. I made the joke, that I'm pretty sure Willem Dafoe just showed up to the, he showed up on set and just started beating the shit out of Tom Holland and everyone just kind of started filming. And when they asked about his inspiration for the movie, he was like movie. Cause I frankly do believe that guy just, he woke up and chose violence. It was fucking great. <laughs> but that that's exactly what happens is that like, you know, he, the, we get this like brutal, intense fight scene where green goblin makes at least tom holland peter bleed like way worse than i think any other villain has ever heard of like we we get to see him like he throws him effortlessly effortlessly through like doors and windows and fucking walls and like even through floors like ends up spine bustering him down like multiple like floors and it's like, as Peter tries his best and tries to fight off Green Goblin, um, even where he's like elbowing the shit out of Norman Osborn's face, Norman just laughs and laughs as he continues to like destroy this poor kid. And it's like the entire time you're like, oh my God, this kid just doesn't know. He's just out of his element. And of course, like at, the, at this point as the, the, the rest of the villains uh, escape, um, Doc Ock ends up getting electrocuted and like blasted out a window by Electro. Electro, Sandman, and Electro and Sandman and Lizard make their escape, while uh, Goblin continues to fight Peter throughout this um, throughout this uh, this apartment complex. Uh, it's important to note that the monologue that uh, Goblin gives right before uh this really intense fight scene he's essentially blaming um aunt may for mm-hmm. making peter weak
0: <laughs>
1: and he and essentially he wants to take away the thing that's going to make peter weak because much like in spider-man 1 he gives peter he gives toby maguire peter that chance for them to work together and rule the city and uh you know peter rebuffs him then and much like now he wants to and like i feel like he's learned his lesson and instead of trying to give him that chance he wants to break peter now so that he can finally like bring out that dark streak in him that will want to rule the city you know Mm -hmm. um at least that's just me that's just me throwing in fan theories and shit but it's like as the fight continues may may tries to escape with the devices and um, she ends up trying to say, you know, she ends up trying to save Peter as he's getting almost beaten to death by Green Goblin and choked and choked. And as Peter, like, shouts at her to leave, she ends up getting blasted by the glider. And uh, he and then uh, Green Goblin jumps on the glider and throws a pumpkin bomb, uh, which Peter narrowly is able to, you know, battle away, almost like killing him and Aunt May. Um, And as Green Goblin escapes, he ends up throwing more of the bombs, uh, destroying cop cars as he flies away. And you know, during the you know here he he picks up Aunt May, and he tells her, you know, I'm sorry, I should just listen to Doctor Strange and sent these guys home. To which Aunt May kind of gets angry and responds like, "What? Because of what he's saying about my moral mission and how I make you weak." and then um yeah and then like she she this is where she finally drops the great power and great responsibility line telling peter that with his powers you know he has the ability to help people so he has the responsibility to do so
0: with great power comes great responsibility got a large applause in my audience as well
1: it got the biggest groans from my audience. really <laughs> I, both times i saw it people were like oh my god it oh
0: wow no i the opposite people applauded and i think people got scared because they knew what was gonna happen
1: i and that's the thing i don't think any i think the first time i saw it people groaned no one really no one knew what was gonna happen now those people felt stupid afterward but it was funny watching it with my roommate because i want to watch him yes watch it with him yesterday and he's a very animated dude mm. so i can like see on my peripheral that he's just like like burying his head in his hands and just being like why would you let why would you deliver that line like that and i was just like oh give it like two minutes buddy you're about to change your Mm -hmm, tune and of course you know like uh, right after she gives that line she falls over um and she keeps telling peter she just needs to catch her breath and peter's like yeah it's fine you'll catch your breath and we'll go and of course he checks her side and he sees that she's like
0: bleeding out control. yeah
1: yeah and you know peter immediately loses you know loses it essentially and starts like you know calling in for a medic but of course damage control is there damage control's there to catch the bad guy not save people mm-hmm. um happy pulls up right as uh aunt may dies in peter's arms you know, and Peter cries like taking on response. You know, just blaming himself completely. Happy ends up screaming for him to to run away, and it's like as he gets shot by the cops, uh, Peter finally, you know, has to leave Aunt May and ends up swinging away. Mm-hmm. Um, and right, uh, right there, the entire tone of the film shifts, where this is no longer your your jaunty romp of a teenage no. movie you know
0: it's it, it, it i had what i could only describe as a dark knight moment in this mm-hmm. like this is a scene where yeah you get that awesome like joker batman back and forth like in the interrogation scene in dark knight mm-hmm. and that stuff is fun and then the action scene is great of like you know uh gordon and batman trying to rescue harvey and rachel and then all of a sudden, much like that movie, here you get a major character death, and it changes the tone of the film, and I think it elevates the movie to a higher level as well. I, I had a feeling that this was one of the things that could possibly happen, uh, mm-hmm. so I wasn't I wasn't ridiculously surprised that it happened, but just because I I, I expected it to happen, it didn't mean that it, it like reduced the impact of it at all. Mm-hmm. And what this movie does fantastically in that. Is it accepts it, it? This allows Peter to separate himself for a while and uh, kind of, you know, go through all the stages of grief that he's going to go through by himself. Meanwhile, the movie will cut to MJ and Ned again. And mm-hmm. uh, we get this scene where, you know, Ned basically discovers that, you know, holding Doctor Strange's ring or one of those rings that he is now able to to kind of like create those portals that dr strange does Mm -hmm. and um you know obviously because peter was supposed to call them and get back in touch with them um and they haven't heard from him in a while what they want to do is they want to look for peter and uh, that's when ned actually ends up opening a portal and uh When he does, you're looking into an alley and because it's been, you know, because we haven't seen uh, Spider-Man since the death of May at that point, there's a solid chance that you think that that they found Peter and Peter's just wandering some alley. And uh, as he starts getting closer and closer to the portal, you discover very quickly by looking at the outfit that uh, it is not uh, this universe is Peter and it is in fact Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker from Amazing Spider-Man. And this obviously got you know huge uh, applause from the audience. Uh, I was very happy to see him because even though I knew it was gonna happen when it finally happened, I was like cool. I was like all right. I was like, so I know what this movie's gonna be about now. Mm-hmm. And um, I think besides just what's gonna happen in this scene, I think, if nothing else, the, the main thing that I got from this movie is I'm very glad that the movies we chose to watch leading into this was Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2 because, as I said during those reviews, I hadn't watched those movies very much. And I know that you know, re-watching it, I think we, we saw that uh, Andrew Garfield was probably a better Spider-Man than, than I thought. When Mm -hmm. I first saw the movie, you know, like I I finally was able to kind of like to 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 see it, you know, for what it was and and see the difference in his performance as opposed to Toby and Tom. And um I think also just the fact that I'm I'm glad that we watched those movies because even though that second one really isn't good, in fact it's downright bad, Mm -hmm. I I appreciate the fact that we saw it because uh, this movie is the andrew garfield spider-man redemption movie that i thought i was never gonna see
1: yeah 100 percent. It, it gives andrew garfield that chance to really bring closure to his character and even open it back up because apparently the reception was so good for andrew was that or it seems like sony wants to do more projects involving him mm. so I don't know. I got my thoughts on where that could go, but I'll talk about that towards you know once you know closer to the end of the review.
0: Yeah, I think Um, I think they even hinted at it when he talks to. Well, we'll talk about it in a second. But okay, once we get that, we get the scene of uh, you know Andrew meeting uh, MJ and Ned uh you know having to prove to them that he is spider-man from his universe MJ
1: constantly throwing bright at him which was funny
0: <laughs> yeah he's got good chemistry with these actors too and i know that andrew garfield is just like he's a really good actor mm-hmm. and uh even though i haven't seen him in much lately he does a lot of really good indie oscar you know actor not, he does a lot
1: of stage shows too well like, yeah he's an but,
0: actor yeah he's, you know, he, he's just as he can just as easily be doing Oscar movies or uh, I think he's, he's kind of like, yeah, it, it, he's definitely probably the most accomplished Spider-Man that we have. Um, we get the scene next where the, the uh, Ned continues to look for Peter and opens up another portal. And that's where we finally get the arrival of Tobey Maguire. And to be quite honest, I didn't think we were going to get Tobey Maguire in this. I thought it was just going to be Andrew Garfield, and even if it was just him, I was going to be one hundred percent satisfied with it. Um, but we ended up do we do end up getting uh, you know Toby Maguire in this, and uh, it's cool. It's it's kind of like when you watch into the Spider Verse. It's like you get you know young Spider Man that's learning how to deal with some of these things, and then you're also going to get these older Spider Men <laughs> that are at you know different stages of their uh, crime fighting career where. You know, Andrew Garfield Spider Man is dealing with grief and loss, and uh, Tobey Maguire's like Spider Man. You know, he doesn't say a lot about his personal life, but based on his age and and how well put together he seems, you can probably guess that you know he's, you know, married to MJ at this point. And oh, he's uh,
1: Spider Dad, one hundred percent. Yeah, he has
0: things he has things more figured out than these other guys do.
1: This is to me what peter b parker and into the spider-verse goes back to his home timeline to become
0: that's exactly what the vibe i was getting from this
1: like it feels like he's finally found a way because and and stephen strange alludes to it right where and i think arrow bringing in more dc content but like arrow i think arrow season two is the one that probably has it the like explores this concept the most of someone trying to lead two lives as a vigilante and as a person and how you can never truly be, you know, you can never truly live both lives earnestly. And it feels like Peter has found a way to this Peter, Toby McGuire. Peter has found a way to be as earnest as he possibly can with those that he loves while still taking on the responsibility of being spider-man you know mm-hmm. it almost and, like it
0: gives you hope that tom is going to be able to capture this at some point later and that
1: andrew totally can at some point too you know because, it gives you, know, you
0: the impression for andrew that you know when he says hey there might be something else out there for you you know with him like grieving over the loss of gwen stacy it's like hey maybe you do get your opportunity later to get your spider-man mj movie off
1: mm-hmm. and yeah and, and that you know you could maybe maybe it is possible for them so it was great I love and you know what's also really interesting about this scene where they introduce Toby because you know they introduce Toby as Peter and they introduce Andrew as Spider-Man like and that's the that's the big thing that the fan base has always said right they've always said that Toby was the better Peter and they always said Andrew Garfield was the the better Spider-Man so it's like the way they introduce these characters in both of those respective roles where like the fans love them even more. Like, I thought there, there there was something there. Like, there has to be something. something yeah. And it's
0: the first that. opportunity once these characters all get together that they have to, like, to really just play together. And, and that is, like, it gives you all the things that you wanted out of an Avengers movie in such a completely new way. Because mm-hmm. now you're taking existing characters that have history and it just feels grander. It just feels so much grander than even those Avenger movies. Um Again, because Spider Man, the star power of Spider Man, and uh, we get the scene where eventually they do find uh, you know Tom Holland's Peter uh, sitting we'll on call the same him Peter roof. one,
1: and we'll call we'll call Toby McGuire Peter two. I'm just gonna go we'll
0: ahead and call, call them by their actors' names because it's just gonna be easier to do that. <laughs> um, I'm just saying, I'm just
1: going by the system the movie created, but yeah, fuck me. I
0: guess. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, but you've seen the movie twice, and I don't remember which is which, so. You you know you know the numbers, so I don't. <laughs> um so you know, Tom is on the roof and 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 Jay and Ned go up to him and and
1: the roof of the school, by the way.
0: Yeah, the roof of the school where they were earlier in the film. Uh,
1: because, they, because the Spider-Man asks if there's any place he likes to go to clear his mind. One of them says the Chrysler building, the other says the Empire State Building, uh, which reminds MJ that peter loves the the school uh roof because it's especially right now it's the only place where he could feel a lo- like away from everything
0: yes and this is an awesome when they all do get together we get this really awesome scene of grief like you know what i mean like it, and i grief isn't awesome but obviously like tom is grieving <laughs> the death of Anne may and while he's grieving the really great acting from toby mcguire and andrew garfield in this because you know from the movies that you've seen their characters in that they understand the grief even though like you know basically tom tells them you don't know what i'm going through and both of these guys like no, no i absolutely know what you're going through and it's just one of those things that that gives you you know it just tells you hey you know deciding to become spider-man is one of these things that comes with risk and it comes with tragedy
1: yeah spider-man is unfortunately the most tragic here on the mcu and you can't have a spider-man without loss and it reminded me so much of that scene in into the spider-verse where they all bond over having lost somebody Mm -hmm. and i was just like this is literally that scene but just on a smaller scale and it's like then i had to think about spider-ham having to lose someone and then i got sad again (laughs) (laughs) But, but you know in this scene you're right because tom holland Tom Holland, Spider-Man hadn't lost anybody that would like, how do I put, this I'm going to say that he losing was, Tony Stark was a big deal. Like, yes. I'm not going to say it wasn't, but it was something he can bounce back from because losing a mentor is different from losing family. Yes. And that's the one loss that he hadn't felt yet.
0: And, and, it, and in those other movies, he felt like he was part of a bigger group in the avengers so it like you didn't get the impression that like he was alone at any point like he exactly he felt like someone who could call who could call up other heroes at any moment and it felt like things were easy for him
1: and yeah and it felt like again it always felt like he was relegated to the sidekick role but it feels like in this movie by this point it's literally just him on his own and this mm-hmm. is what kind of embodies um, Spider Man moments, I guess I'll call it for now, and I'm pretty sure Jose will have something better to say about it. <laughs> but like you know, like the thing about Spider Man is that he's always he's defined by this thing where he always has to do the right thing, no matter how difficult, no matter you know at what great personal cost it may come to him, he has to do the right thing because that's his responsibility. And it's like here is where he sees two guys that have been through maybe not the same experience he has, but similar experiences learning to stand on their own and being able to do it successfully. Like that's what defines Spider-Man. It's not, it's not necessarily the tragedy, but it's the fact that he keeps going. He keeps getting back up after the tragedy and being able to make those hard decisions whenever they do come around the way he does by the end of this movie, you know, um, but yeah like it's finally he has that moment where he's hit rock bottom because we've seen him almost hit it but we've seen him get up every time like in homecoming when the when um when the vulture brings down the entire building around him and he doesn't have yeah and he doesn't have um like Iron Man there to save him so he has that moment where he has to like Literally physically at his lowest has to push and like essentially get this giant building off of him. Uh, very reminiscent of like 60s Spider-Man having that moment, or even the moment where um in Far From Home, just like where he where he, he doesn't know whether he can trust his spider sense and he's problems with his spider sense until he finally is able to kind of like shut everything out and just trust himself and trust his powers and use those to fight off the drones. Like those were stuff that he had to do. That was stuff that he, he was in control of that kind of like defined him as a character. But now it's like, you know, that was always physical stuff. And this is the first time he's ever dealt with something emotional where now he has to rely on himself again, to be able to pull himself up. Um, and become that hero he's meant to be. So I, yeah, like I feel that putting, you know, putting, bringing in these characters at this time was probably the best way to do it. And having these characters that relate to him and they're able to talk to him, um, even though he, you know, he, and the, I think the best part is they don't have to say what happened. You know, the only, they do mention Uncle Ben and they do mention about where the where the origin of uh, great power and great responsibility comes from. But ultimately, these are, you know, they they don't have to go in depth as to why they know the pain because we as an audience know, know why these guys have been through it. We are, We know their pain and all, you know, all they have to do is kind of trust each other. And from here, um, after the, these, you know, after we have the spider Man and uh, Mary Jane and Ned kind of meet up, uh, this takes us into a goofy moment where all three of them are going to now work together and science some stuff where they're going to go into the school lab and they're going to try to create, um, they're going to try to create cures for all the characters or for all the, for all the villains again. So Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man. Uh, works is starting to work on a cure for uh Dr. Connor since that's what he did before. And apparently, we find out that uh Toby Spider Man had been working on a cure for Norman Osborne for like he'd been thinking about it for a while, it, and I it's guess just v- for fun.
0: <laughs> yeah, like those moments are really cool because what it tells you, you know, like early on in the movie, you think that these other Spider Men were negligent. And uh, that, you know, that, that basically maybe there's a part of them that killed these guys out of like, you know, the fact on purpose. That, yeah, like maybe they that they them. couldn't be <laughs> redeemed. And uh, this scene really give bringing all these Spider-Men together gives you the op- gives Peter the opportunity to see that, hey, he wasn't the only one that was trying to help them. And it comes wow. back to that theme of, you know, the, hey, this is what we all do.
1: Because I think Peter or I think Tom Holland even says something. Or it's like, let them go back to your home universes where they can die. Like, I don't care anymore. Um, oh, oh fuck, I forgot to even mention about Andrew Garfield. Like, this is more this is where we get a lot of Andrew Garfield's kind of characterization too, where he mentions that he his Spider-Man took a dark path after Gwen dies, where he becomes a lot more violent and he, he stops pulling his punches. Um, which, you know, friend of the show, Jose mentions is a big part of Spider-Man where he actually tries his best not to hurt people, like, more than he needs to, but apparently, you know, we have um, Andrew Garfield, where he just goes full, you know, all, full vigilante, and just wants to, like, hurt as many people as possible, so, you know, we get to see kind of, like, that he wants to redeem himself, too, by doing, like, through Tom Holland's Spider-Man, you know, um, and like you were mentioning, like, these guys don't view the, they don't view the villains as expendable like bad guys that they actually do want to save them um all the while <laughs> all the while you have kind of Ned interacting and trying to learn more about these guys and like he talks to Toby Maguire and he's like hey so do you have a best friend and then that's when Toby hits him with yeah I did he goes, he became a supervillain and no, it was it like he died in my arms when after he became a supervillain tried to kill me?
0: <laughs> to
1: which Ned is like traumatized. <laughs> yeah. Which you know was interesting because I think there is a there
0: is a characterization of Ned in the comics where he does become somewhat of a Spider-Man villain. Is there not? Like I I, I remember I, I remember reading about him that he is one of these like lesser known like characters and probably hasn't been like it's one of those like where maybe like Lucius Fox and Batman, it's like he's always been around but has become more of a focus because of these movies.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: um, I think at some point the character of Ned oh no um, becomes Ned
1: becomes Hobgoblin.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's what I remember. And, Fuck. But I didn't you know, know this. but what's nice about this is that this movie, because he now has the knowledge of this other universe, like you know, where Peter's best friend is a villain maybe that's the thing that keeps him from becoming you know a villain (laughs) to this Peter
1: Parker that's true yeah that's a good point yeah and that's kind of where you were saying like we get the we get the illusion of or illusion not illusion but we got the illusion to the fact that Tobey Maguire and uh Tobey Maguire Peter and Mary Jane Watson were able to make everything work out we also um, get
0: we understand what uh what mj's last name is uh you know which is watson much like mary mm-hmm. jane watson except uh this one is michelle jones
1: uh, yeah watson. and that she chooses to go by michelle jones not watson a much a much better
0: I, I i like the name better than i like mary jane i don't know it's like mary jane like, or like in Batman, you get like women like Silver St. Cloud or Vicky Vale. Like, I feel like there's some of these characters where it's like, all right, dude.
1: It's, I mean, Peter Parker little... already has a comic bookie name. Yeah, So it's exactly. like, okay, Michelle Jones Watson. I'm cool with that. Like, it yeah. sounds a little bit more granted in reality than than Bucky fucking Barnes. Okay.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so so um, I can deal with it. It's modern. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so at this point, um, they come up with the plans to, or they 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 come up with a plan to to lure all the villains to the statue uh, Statue of Liberty, which in this in the MCU is being refurbished so that uh, Lady Liberty is holding on to the Captain America shield, which I thought was really cool, but um, but also kind of a waste of tax dollars. But neither here nor there. <laughs> but so anyway, that's the plan. Um, And the way Peter does this is he actually calls into um, the fucking Alex Jones-esque show that J. Jonah Jameson has and essentially puts out a challenge telling the villains that he'll be there. Um, And, you know, like he and he asks for forgiveness for anyone that he's hurt and that he hopes that the city is kind of thinking about him because he really needs it and i do like that he says to the villains you know this is your chance come here so i can help you because he was technically i could have killed you guys if i really wanted to but i do like that he doesn't really engage with J. jonah jameson and just kind of focuses on on the villains right so you know while the while the spider-men are kind of preparing for everything this is where you find out, or not here, but I think a little bit earlier. Uh, there's the interact, the funny interaction of um, of Toby being able to create his own biological web, which then leads to the funny conversation where Tom Holland asks him, "Oh yeah, so does Ebb, Does your web come out of only your wrists or other places?" <laughs> and then they start talking about. You know, they start talking about like the web fluid and stuff like that. And then you have the moment where the moment where Andrew kind of feel Andrew Garfield feels a little bit less than Toby and Tom. <laughs> and Toby keeps telling him, Hey, you're amazing. Okay. You're amazing. <laughs> I know, right? it's you
0: know, the crowd laughed at. And uh, not only did, did I agree, I was like, Yeah, yeah, yeah you're amazing. You're great. <laughs> you know, hey, those movies you were in weren't that great you were pretty good in them
1: (laughs) exactly it's like hey listen here buddy you did good the movie sucked but you did good (laughs) and then of course they bring back the back joke where toby hurt his back i think in filming uh spider-man 2 and where he ends up like landing on a car and he goes oh my back (laughs) yeah so they bring that back by having andrew garfield crack his back before the bad guys attack (laughs) And also, so,
0: hey, he's also the oldest. He's middle-aged Spider-Man. So yeah,
1: <laughs> it's true. You are lying. He is definitely middle-aged Spider-Man. Even though I'm pretty sure Andrew Garfield's like the same age. As
0: <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> but you know, whatever. years of being—I'm sure he's at least ten years younger. Uh, the years of being Spider-Man have obviously taken their
1: toll on Toby. <laughs> oh no, for sure. And so this leads to um this leads to a fight between uh the spider-man and the villains where the villains are able to kind of get an upper hand on the on the spider-man because we see that their inexperience and their lack of teamwork kind of comes into play and finally um kind of toby Maguire rallies everyone together and he gives them a pep talk oh no i'm sorry tom holland rallies everyone together gives them a pep talk where he says look i don't want to brag but i've been on the avengers <laughs> <laughs> And, Again, favorite, and Toby's
0: reacted, wow that's great what is that <laughs>
1: <laughs> my favorite part is where tom holly tries to explain and then toby gets frustrated like how is this helping <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: i also do like that andrew garfield is like he's just like the poor man has just been clearly living by himself for so long that like, you know, just meeting these two guys, he goes, I love you guys. I always wanted brothers. Like there's there's kind of a pathetic but also tragic quality to like to he's everything like Gil. He's her. like
1: the he's like the Gil from the Simpsons version <laughs> of Spider-Man. <laughs> he's just like everything he does is goofy and it's like. Even though he does belong, he still feels like he has to prove himself to everybody. Like, he mm-hmm. definitely does feel like the odd man out, but it's always in, like, a funny way. Um, so, but finally, they, you know, they get on the same page, and Tom Holland start, pretty much tells them to follow his lead. Uh, and he'll have him call the shots, and everyone else uh, falls in line. And we get, arguably, one of my favorite shots in the entire movie where the guys like go, they get the running start and then they jump off and start swinging together um, all around mm-hmm. the Statue of Liberty. Totally into the Spider-Verse. And that was like the end of the Spider-Verse moment of this movie, especially after, you know, one of the guys gets clotheslined by an errant web and another guy gets like shot in the face by one <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's like- And them- Andrew
0: Garfield's not the only one who's been completely like- they rectified everything that they did wrong to him because Jamie Foxx's electro is also like, even, even though his scenes are minimal and he's not anywhere near the, you know, like the villain of the caliber of, you know, Alfred Molina or or Willem Dafoe, you know, in terms of just like his status, mm-hmm. uh, it, they, they, they've made him look like, you know... It, It gives him a reason to want to stay in this universe because he looks a lot cooler in this universe and they they also they also get the opportunity to like turn him into something more like his early comic book counterpart
1: yeah they took away his stupid blue look from amazing spider-man and whenever he now he's like supercharged by the arc reactor he stole from the stark fabricator and it's like every time he uses electrical powers like you see his the flash of, like, the lightning bolts coming off his face, which looks really cool. And even the the kind
0: of pathetic backstory that they gave him where Spider-Man saved him once and all that kind of stuff. They even made that, like, something that has a lot more meaning now. <laughs> like, like, this movie juggles a lot of balls and keeps them in the air for two hours and 30 minutes, and that is absolutely impressive.
1: yeah. And at this point, you know all the all the Spider man are able to work together, and they kind of and they start um, they start healing all the or start fixing all the villains. Mm-hmm. So they start off with Sandman. They are able to turn him back into Flint Marco. They're able to um, who else was it after that? I think they get a uh, with the help of Doctor Octopus. They're able to get the Arc Reactor off of. Um, Off of uh, what's it called? Uh, electro, and they're able to get the dissipator thing on him again. Mm -hmm. And then finally, they, after the rep or after the lizard, I was about to call him the reptile, (laughs) like attacks MJ and uh, and Ned and like attacks him through the school, and Tom Holland, Spider Man, goes in to save him. Um, You know, I think that's where Ned accidentally opens the portal to Stephen, uh, Dr. Strange. And as he comes out and he's ready to push the button on the magic spell, he sees that Tom Holland Spider-Man has managed to uh, heal Dr. Connors as well. So it's like they've already healed, I think at that point, four of the five. But this point is where the spell starts like uh, falling apart. And breaks in reality start taking place, or start happening. So Stephen, so Doctor Strange, um, he goes and confronts the Spider-Man, to which Andrew and Toby get really mad, saying that where was he this entire time since he could have helped them. Um, And this is where you get the line where uh, Doctor Strange was like, I was over the Grand Canyon for 12 hours. (laughs) <laughs> Which reminds me, <laughs> I like the reason why I like that line was because he did the same thing to Loki where he'd like sent Loki through the abyss and he fell and in, in uh, Ragnarok. And when they finally get Loki back, he's like, I was falling for 30 minutes.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, but anyway, he, you know, from there on, they take Doctor Strange out of it because he's trying to focus on keeping the cracks in reality from breaking apart. Uh, meanwhile, Um, You know, you get a scene where Andrew Garfield talks to, uh, he talks to Electro, and he kind of like apologizes for not being able to help him the first time around, um, to which Electro tells him, you know, like kind of forgives him and also tells uh, Andrew Garfield that because he was a broke, or he was always helping poor people and he was from Queens, he just assumed that he was a black guy, alluding to Miles Morales (laughs) Kind of like being the in joke there, which plays into my theory. What I really want to happen is that now that Andrew Garfield goes back to his um, Ultimate Spider-Man inspired timeline, that mm-hmm. he gets a chance to train Miles Morales of that timeline, and that's how we can kind of like bring him Ben and get more movies and get a live-action Miles Morales movie. I don't know, malschwitz talk to me. I'm writing these movies and you know for free. <laughs> but anyway um you have that really like you have that emotional moment where toby gets to talk to um he gets to talk to dr octopus and they kind of have like a reconciliation too because now that doc Ock is you know whole again and you know right as the you know right as um green goblin shows up he tries to steal the he tries to steal the spell from uh dr strange ends up shoving a uh pumpkin grenade in there which is what causes the uh dr strange to lose control of the spell to begin with and but it also forces everything to come you know crashing down where ned ends up getting saved by dr strange's cape but mj ends up falling off and in a scene very reminiscent to Gwen Stacy's death from Amazing Spider-Man Two, Andrew Garfield gets a moment to to what's it called uh to redeem himself. Yes, and dives off the Statue of Liberty and catches MJ. And instead of catching her with the web, catches her physically and ends up sit you know you know stopping both of them from dying. And even the way that scene is shot, the way they land is even that reminded me of asm2 character development
0: he remembered exactly where he failed the last time and does it in a way that is completely different based on the experience that he had and the look on andrew garfield's face after he saves her asks her if she's okay and you know his awesome job of beginning to cry like basically like tears of relief but also grief and also just the, 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 it reminds you that, that not only is, are these Spider-Men, like, you know, making things better for these villains, you know, when it's time for them to come back, all of these guys are going to learn something when they go back to their eventual worlds. This experience has basically made them all better Spider-Men and um, yeah I I think the reception to Andrew Garfield I think it's based off of this they Mm -hmm. even if he doesn't ever come back and do it again you gave him the perfect send-off once and for all he can you know it just it doesn't feel like it's something so incomplete anymore
1: Yep. and here is the final climax of the film we have uh we have Tom Holland confronting uh Norman Osborn Where he ends up, you know, forcing the, he ends up destroying the, the, or sending off a grenade on the glider, which ends up sending him flying off onto the Captain America shield that's in the water. And this leads to the kind of like the final fight where Tom Holland pulls no punches and is just, you know, using it like he's just punishing Green Goblin, just like beating him and just like countering all his fight and like all his moves um and finally like when he beats him down to his knees he ends up picking up the glider and you know you have this scene during the fight where everyone is kind of actually concerned because they're like is he actually going to kill green goblin um where toby and andrew give the, give each other a look and it, right as tom uh picks up the glider and is about to bring it down on um on norman's head You know, Toby gets in the middle and ends up blocking it and stops him um, from doing it. And nothing needs to be said. There's no melodramatic lines. It's literally just a look Toby gives him, like essentially saying, You don't have to do this. Like, remember what we're here for. And in that moment, like, Tom Holland breaks um, and kind of lets the glider go. And in that split second, fucking Green Goblin stabs Toby McGuire in like the back, and suddenly everyone gasps and everyone's afraid yes. that Toby McGuire's gonna die. Now. Yeah,
0: I that's what I thought at first.
1: Thank God they didn't. That's neither here nor there. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but in that moment, Andrew Garfield grabs the cure for the goblin uh virus, I guess. <laughs> wrote, <laughs> throws it to Tom Holland who ends up um, shooting it right in Norman Osborne's neck um, essentially turning him back into an old man um when the when the Spider-man kind of reconvene and they pick up um, Toby you know to like Toby McGuire has the line where he's like no nah, I've been stabbed before it just really
0: hurts
1: <laughs> so you know kind of leaving the audience like no don't worry he's not gonna die it was a fake out yeah. So Peter goes and he talks to Dr. Strange and uh, at this point, you know, it feels like reality is going to come collapse in everyone that knows who Peter Parker is, is essentially at the doorstep of our universe. So uh, Tom Holland suggests that everyone forgets who, who Peter Parker is everybody. Mm -hmm. Dr. Strange reminds him that includes him and there's even like a hint of sadness when Doctor Strange says that, where right. he's like, he's like, even I won't remember who you are, and you know, Tom Holland's just like, that's fine.
0: Yeah, because not only is this going to reset everything, but it's also going to effectively divorce Spider-Man from the Avengers as well. Mm-hmm. To, if they ever decide to get back together.
1: So he go. So in the moment, he goes back and uh, says his goodbyes. Uh, to the Spider Bros, they end up hugging it out in a very unplanned scene where uh, Tom Holland tells him he couldn't have done it with the, without them. Uh, apparently that was Ad-Libs because Tom Holland's like the master of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And where he goes in for like the group hug, um, where Toby then says, no, oh, I'm in a tremendous amount of pain. <laughs> And then he goes and says goodbye to Ned and has a really tearful um, goodbye with Ned and MJ.
0: Yeah, the Ned and MJ one, I mean, obviously, like, the, the 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 scene of, you know, Andrew saving MJ, like, got me. But the scene of the three of them, like, all ha- knowing that they have to say goodbye to each other, it got me, too. Because, you me. know, regardless of what everyone thought was going to happen, I figured that... I figured that even though they were all going to forget him and Peter was promising that he was going to remind them of everything and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff, I knew he wasn't going to do that. I just had the feeling that it wasn't going to happen that way. And Me this is too. what I mean when I talk about something feeling like Dark Knight Rises or Dark Knight, like the, one of the things that made those Nolan Batman movies like so good was they, and, and made the stakes kind of like something that few things have been able to match since is because it's, I feel like those movies always changed Batman in irreparable ways, right? Like mm-hmm. ways that you can never go back from. Like the end of Dark Knight, like he ends up having to basically take the blame for all the people Harvey Dent kills. So now it's like he has to be a villain pretty much forever. And even though there's people that are going to support him when he comes back, it like changes, it changes Batman. Like just like there is no, there is no coming back from something like that. And then specifically Dark Knight Rises, you know, with Batman faking his death at the end of that movie. It's one of those things where like, yes, Alfred will see him again in that you know, nebulous, bizarre cafe scene at the end of the movie, but they know that they can never have interaction with each other again. And it's like, it feels permanent. Like he he has to leave Gotham City now. He'll never come back. He's Mm going to assume a new identity somewhere in the world and basically live, you know, on the low. And that is what this is going to do. And that is why I think the ending of this movie, even though the movie itself has been constantly elevating itself, I think would make this hands down the best movie in the Marvel cinematic universe canon, even better than the original Avengers movie, than Iron Man. I, I'm not kidding. I think some people have called this the best Marvel movie ever, and I have to agree with that. The ending there's of this not movie, many
1: people that are gonna argue against that.
0: <laughs> yeah, like the the, the the it's it's just it, it has irre like it has just irreversibly changed the world that these people live in and uh specifically for peter you know and it shows the sacrifice that he had to make uh to continue
1: and that's the thing that's what spider-man will always do because he will always do the right thing Mm because that's the responsibility he has and the scene that like that the goodbye broke me the second time around but the scene that got me was actually right after this when he goes when he goes back to the cafe And he's practicing how he's going to introduce himself to Ned and MJ. Mm -hmm. And then he sees Ned and MJ talking about going to MIT together and, you know, essentially planning the life that, you know, that, that Peter was supposed to have. And like, MJ is like, Oh yeah, Peter Parker, Uh, you know, he introduced himself as Peter Parker full name because he was really going to go into the entire speech. Mm -hmm. And then when he tells her that he wants a cup of coffee, and she goes and she gets him the cup of coffee and she rings him up and you see on his face that like he's smiling, that she's smiling, then he's smiling. And then he has that moment where he finishes her thought where she's like, well, if you don't, what was it? If you don't expect, um if you, if you expect failure, it won't like surprise you or won't hurt as bad as when it happens.
0: This scene and And I think why it elevates so much. This scene reminds me of something that's not even from any comic book movie that I've seen before. I don't know if any if you've ever seen Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind.
1: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. oh
0: my God. That is what this kind of stuff reminds me of. and and it made me think of that movie because just watching this, you get the feeling that Peter and MJ will end up together at some point in the future, that it's very likely that they will somehow reconnect. You know, in, in this new world, I mean, in a different way, it can
1: happen. It might not, though. Like it I might not. It might not. Thing. It. That's the whole thing that gets deposited in that because it's like, then he sees, he sees the 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 band aid, right? And then it's like suddenly his face changes, mm-hmm. and he's just like, he looks like kind of hurt. And then he, and then he, when he asks her, um when he asks her, oh, what you know, like what happened there? And she goes, Oh, or, you know, I forget what he said, something to the effect, like what happened there. And then she's like, Oh, well, it doesn't hurt anymore. When, you Mm -hmm. know, for a fact, if she knew who he was and they were still together, she would be like, no, it doesn't hurt. Mm -hmm. And it's like for him to kind of hear that truth. And it kind of like put everything together for him where he's just like, these people's lives are going to be okay if I'm not in it. Mm -hmm. And it's like to see him wrestle with that and finally comes to terms with that and accepts that all without saying anything fucking hey, tom holland is a good actor it's the and best work he's fantastic. done
0: yes yeah.
1: <laughs> and then yeah that takes us right to the end where we find out peter you know he says his goodbyes to aunt may at the um at her grave leaving her a flower and he says his goodbyes to happy where he talks about you know the people that Aunt May touched will keep keep her memory alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, we find out that he gets a shitty one bedroom apartment, which I was so totally expecting the landlord from Spider Man Two to come out. <laughs> well, it's,
0: again, yes, it's bringing us back to what we more what we think of Spider Man as being. You know, it's gotten him out of high school, and this movie's going to completely skip his college years That's at least curious. for now. For now, while he because he, he basically has to force <laughs> himself to grow up. Because, uh, you know, he's got no one who's looking out for him anymore. And he basically yep. doesn't exist in this world.
1: <laughs> yeah, we see that he has the GED, so he has to graduate on his own. But And we see that he remakes a suit. This time, no longer using the
0: uh, Stark technology,
1: right? Like, yes. yeah, it, it's a. De- me-
0: it is. It is not only is this the elevation of Spider-Man; it's also a deconstruction. It's yeah. taking down everything that they've done in this MCU universe, and. Pushing, you know, Spider-Man into a place where the rest of these movies that can be in this series, they don't even need Disney anymore. They don't need yeah. Marvel anymore. It could just be Tom Holland making Sony Spider-Man movies forever. It won't be, but you know yeah. what I mean. It's just it, it is it, it, it has it has changed it. And it's essentially a course correction setting this new Spider-Man universe in its own direction. And also just, you know, Hey, we've heard that they're already working on another one because of the massive success of this. And this movie is so excellent that you do want to continue to live in this world and see where it's going to take Peter next.
1: And it's like you, the final scene, like every other Spider-Man movie has to end with him swinging through New York, but we get to see a new Spider-Man suit, which in a way looks inspired by all three new spider-men showing that he has been um effectively changed by this experience Mm. in a good way too where he learns like the the importance of his power and his responsibility taking on a suit that has you know elements of the um you know the original tony stark suit he got the original and the raimi and the amazing spider-man suit Mm -hmm. and that's the movie roll credits we get a mid well we do get a mid credit scene where that um has eddie brock drunk in mexico trying to understand what happened <laughs> yeah we it, it's <laughs> i completely forgotten about i mean i thought
0: venom was going to show up somewhere in, in this movie but the movie was so good and so engrossing that i completely forgot about it and uh it kind of a bummer is that it's used as a gag here uh, I was so Eddie. mad. <laughs> I was...
1: wanted Eddie to meet Peter from this universe so bad, and they teased it and I didn't get it.
0: But you know, who's to say it won't happen again? Who's to say they won't see each other again? This thing can pretty the fact that these multi this multiverse exists, like literally anything can happen, and it basically does set up the potential symbiote storyline in the future for this Spider-Man because uh even though uh, you know Eddie Brock and and Venom are going to be zapped back into their own universe. There's a little bit of that symbiote, you know, a drop of symbiote alien jizz that could literally,
1: <laughs> <laughs> that could literally turn Peter into uh
0: into you know symbiote Peter uh or mm. symbiote Spider Man at any point in the future.
1: That alien come and then. <laughs>
0: we're disgusting
1: and then that's the thing we don't know what if there isn't Eddie brock in this universe we also don't know if you know flash or Thompson. maybe
0: the symbiote finds flash who you know
1: agent venom agent venom, agent venom. <laughs> yeah but yeah we'll see but like i guess let's just get into it angel did you like this movie i think it's
0: very clear that not only did i like this movie i thought it was excellent I, it is one of the best comic book movies I think I've ever seen. It did, ab- like, a few movies have such hype surrounding them and can meet those expectations. And this is one of the movies that does that. And this movie justifies its own existence, like this franchise's own existence. It takes all the stuff that used to exist in the old universe, wraps it up all nice in a bow, you know, sends these other characters that we cared about on their way. And just in the process of doing that, elevates the characters in this series to a new level that makes any direction that they want to go in, in a potential, you know, Spider-Man 4, you know, um, makes it something you want to watch because it's going to get, e- because now it's, it's, it's kind of got that grounded realism and it's got a little bit of more of that serious grit in it, you know, while still remaining very true to Spider-Man, and and I think that's awesome. Like you know, like like, like I, I'll say, I'll Daredevil. put it this, I'll,
1: we may, yeah, like I'll we put it this way,
0: I'll put it this way. I love. I am obviously a Batman fan. I think Matt Reeves the Batman is going to have to work very, very hard for me to think that even that movie is going to be bigger than this or better than this. This was excellent. And uh yeah, I think it's legitimately one of the best movies that we've reviewed in the history of this show.
1: This movie was top to bottom fantastic. I think this movie had more fan service in it than Endgame did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because I think it's not only a love letter to the character, it's a love letter to everyone that was ever involved with the character.
0: Yes. It and loves everyone who loved these characters.
1: Exactly. It's like Andrew Garfield looks so happy to play Spider-Man one more time. Um, Toby Maguire looked like he was happy to come back to the role. Like, even though technically his series got the satisfying ending, like quote-unquote satisfying ending this movie stuck the landing when it came to ending a a trilogy Mm -hmm. um it was you know it was incredible it was an emotional ride they they built up a character they made it they made um throwaway characters from other franchises feel important in this one green goblin like just the acting from Alfred Molina and Willem Dafoe was fantastic. All
0: time great villains, yeah.
1: Like you have Tom Holland get, probably doing his best work, either in an MCU movie or even in a like any movie in general. Because I yes, yeah, period. Movie it's the best him. thing
0: I've ever seen him in. Yeah.
1: Like yeah, he's like the the dude is fucking phenomenal. Um. Yeah. Like I'm just excited to see where it's gonna go. Because even though it technically ends on a somber note, I don't think, um, uh, even though it ends on a somber note, I still think that because the character of Spider-Man is so hopeful, like, you can't help but, like, just want to see where this franchise is going to go, where these stories are going to go. So, yeah, I loved it you know high recommend for anyone to just buy this movie as soon as you get the chance my only complaint is that i didn't get the one thing i made up that i really wanted to happen <laughs> which was that the spider-men go down to brooklyn and they go to a bodega and they're like hey let me get a chop cheese the hockey way and then you hear sure sure
0: <laughs> okay <laughs> that's all i wanted stupid
1: and it was just for me and it was a throwaway gag I made up for the group chat. And I just, I don't know, I just wanted it.
0: All right. I well, it. <laughs> we'd like to thank you guys for joining us for this episode. Please continue to follow us on social media. Please uh, leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts. Please rate our podcast on Spotify, which I believe you can now do. Um, and just get the word out about the podcast to other people. You know, uh, we really look forward to. A, taking a break right now so yeah, this dude. is our last episode of 2021 uh we will return in 2022 where we're going to be reviewing 21 jump street and 22 jump street Oh, shit. Um, I did agree to that. (laughs) So uh, we hope you guys have a really good holiday, a really good Christmas and Happy New Year. And we can't wait to start. What is it? Year four of the show? That's going to be a pretty it's pretty exciting. And uh, we hope to continue to be putting out episodes in the new year. (laughs)
1: This is the year we fight the Vulture, played by Michael Keaton.
0: <laughs> uh, so please, uh, you know, uh, we'd like to thank you guys for following the show and uh, for being, you know, with us all these, uh, year, all these past three years. And uh, we hope to, you know, talk to you guys when we return in 2022. So talk to you guys next time.
1: Happy non-denominational holidays and take care of yourselves. Love you guys.